I'm Leslie. And I'm Amber. And you're listening to The The Grim Grim Mystics. episodes in feeling good (laughs) yeah now it's our turn to hear leslie and her story today all right so amber why don't you tell us where we're going today all right so today on the map we're going to longmont colorado so before i get going i just amber you did a great job last week and everything was happy and it was nice and this is not (laughs) going to be happy or nice We're so, taking a turn. <laughs> taking a, a big turn. So I'm I'm just going to throw a warning out now. Um, this episode includes a true crime. And so it's, you know, kind of graphic and kind of terrible. And now it's on you if you want to listen or not. But I hope you do. <laughs> yeah, we really, really hope you guys do listen. But if trigger warning is what that is then? Yes, it is. And, and I'll give one more before it gets too ham. So. Good. So we can all be prepared. Yes. All right. So I got a few sources for this. There is a Real Detectives show, which uh, originally aired on Investigation Discovery. Oh, I love that channel. Oh, it's so good. Right? (laughs) Like given to us from the gods as a gift. It's perfect. Yes. Perfect. And so this show is Real Detectives, and the episode is called The Puppet Master. It is season two, episode seven. My husband and I rented it on Amazon. It was like five bucks. (laughs) Family night. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and then to follow our Real Detectives episode, we also watched A Forensic Files. There's one on this case also. Unfortunately, seasons one through nine are on Netflix. Mm -hmm. However, this is like a a special episode. So it wasn't on Netflix. (laughs) Shoot. And it wasn't on Amazon. So we had to do some serious digging. But if you wanted to watch it, it's called An Unholy Alliance. And it's technically season 10, episode 24. But we had to like Google it and then we casted it from our phone to our TV and then laughed the whole time because the quality was so bad. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the work that you are doing for this podcast right now. (laughs) Well, I, I kind of got into this case. It kind of drove me insane. So it was fine to watch, but... Oh, I'm excited. Um, I also read an article in the Denver Post Extras, which was written by Monte Wally, uh, and an article on the Inquisitor. It's a tongue twister there. That's a tough one. (laughs) And that one was written by Tracy Reyes. And the last one was an article on Westward, which is a Denver publication. And that one was written by Karen Bowers. And I would say the Westward one had a ton of details. Oh, you got to love that. It was like an eight-minute read, which for an article is That's kind of a lot. lot. Yeah. Yeah. It Ooh. was very detailed. I so. like it. So, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whew. All right. So, the date is September 26th, 1999, and Boulder County Sheriff's Office Detective Steve Ainsworth is given a missing persons case. 
The report was filed by the missing person in question's husband named Matthew. He said that his wife, Natalie, went to the grocery store earlier in the evening and never returned. Twelve hours after the report was made, Natalie's body was found in Left Hand Canyon up in Boulder. Where is that? I'm not a Boulderite like you are. Where is that? Uh, Left Hand Canyon is just like west um, in Boulder. So like how Loveland and Fort Collins have the Big Thompson Canyon. Boulder has the Left Hand Canyon. Okay. And actually, we'll come to find out, it has this nickname called the Death Canyon. What? Crazy, right? There have been so many bodies dumped there or um, a lot of suicide. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is like a well-known place probably for a lot of police officers in Boulder County or, you know, people who are aware of what where the first responders need to be. This is well-known. Absolutely. And it's so secluded, like worse than Big Thompson because Big Thompson has been, been redone. So there's at least like quite a few mm-hmm. cars there. But every time that Robbie and I have driven up that canyon, there's like one or two cars super windy super narrow and there's just no one ever there so it's like literally the perfect place for like a killer or a serial killer to like find cool yes, cool exactly right? <laughs> <laughs> now you all know <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's where we're starting off well wow. <laughs> um i'm gonna give you a little bit of background on natalie and matthew so natalie mirabal vasquez is 23 years old in 1999 and is married to Matthew Mirabal, who was 20 years at the time. Ooh, cougar, like it. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie and Matthew just had a, a little girl, a baby daughter oh. named Michaela, and she was only like five months old oh. in 99. So, yeah, it's really sad that she was involved. Um, they got married in 1996, and they were high school sweethearts. Oh, cute. Right. I Well... <laughs> Again, (laughs) we'll see. So I'm saying all of these things and you keep saying, well, so that means that this won't be cute by the end of this. (laughs) No, it will not be cute. But I'm mostly saying well, because Natalie and Matthew were new to Longmont. They were from New Mexico. Okay. And they, the only reason they moved to Longmont was because they followed this church. Oh. And we'll talk about that. The church that Natalie and Matthew moved here for, literally, was called the Platteville Apostolic Church. Well, and it's it's never good when you're moving for, like, a group. You move because you want definitely. to. I don't want to say anything about people's, like, religious beliefs or anything, but you definitely want to make sure you're moving because you want to be there, not because a group of people said you should be there. Well, in 1996, so she was 23 and 99. So can you imagine being, what is that? So 27, 18 years yeah. old. 19 and being I'm like math (laughs) Math. (laughs) we already discussed this last time everyone knows math will never be our strong suit please do not let us know if we're getting the math wrong we like to live ignorantly and not know (laughs) it's all true true that (laughs) ignorance is bliss (laughs) right imagine being like so young and you move to this new state to this new town you move away from your family like, you know, your husband and maybe eight other people. That's crazy. That's terrifying. When Craig and I were house hunting and it was like really, really hard, obviously, because everyone here knows the Colorado house market or any growing population has the same house market. Craig and I had a really co- a big conversation of if we were going to move to a different state, I couldn't like I'm an only child. I could not leave my parents and But we had a real conversation about it. So I can't imagine being even younger than Craig and I are now discussing and going through with leaving your family because of your religious group that you're a part of. That's crazy. 
No, I totally agree. Well, so like, let's let's talk about the church because the church is a really big part of this story. And so in my notes, I literally wrote basically a cult, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's cool. So I don't have to worry about, you know, tiptoeing around a a cult. I can kind of be a little bit more direct with how I feel. Cool. Good. (laughs) You know, I'm a religious person. And, you know, so I know that not all religions are cult like. However, this one Mm -hmm. is definitely cult like. Okay. Oh, I'm excited to hear all about it. The church originally was known as the Souls Harbor Revival Tabernacle Church. What? That was the name. Tabernacle? Where do you find that word? Tabernacle Church. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it is like a religious like vocab word, but like I, it's not one that I know regularly. So (laughs) that's just like a a ten dollar word that you want to use on I don't know Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy or something someday. Right. Like, forget the context. Forget everything else. Like, I'm just putting that word in my vocab list and I'm just going to pull it out. You know, that's written on some like vocabulary toilet paper or something like that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's a good one. Also, I'd like to just throw in there. So Leslie's being so good and drinking some warm tea while to, you know, get her voice ready to go since it's her lead of the episode. And I'm about a half a bottle. No. <laughs> it's fine to be a half a bottle in at 3.40 in the afternoon. <laughs> nope. Half a glass of wine in because we are finally experiencing the snowstorm that we were promised for Colorado. And I thought, well, I'm an adult with a snow day, so wine it is. Yeah. If I wasn't talking about something so important, then I would also be drinking, just for the record. We'll alternate. So you can drink next time I do an episode. We'll just, whoever's the witty commentary gets to drink that week. (laughs) Right. And honestly, I think that'll give us better content anyway. (laughs) It'll definitely get us saying, you know, stupid stuff. That's for sure. Content. That's That's what we're going with. I like the word. (laughs) So the Souls Harbor Revival Tabernacle Church is from a town called, and I know I'm going to say this wrong. Hopefully nobody from this town is listening. If you are, I apologize now. You just got to say it like you spell it. I'm telling you. So it is called Chamisel, New Mexico is the town that it's originally from. Okay. And this church follows the teachings of the Bible very closely like to the T and it has like a million and one restrictions and rules that the members have to abide by cult rule number one (laughs) (laughs) like what like what in the bible did they take that other religions don't uh members are not allowed to partake in recreational drugs or alcohol not at all like not even zip (laughs) right cheers to that um they're not allowed to watch tv they're not allowed to listen to music. What? It is so strict. Women have to wear their like dress code are long black skirts that at least have to go to your knee, button up shirts, you know, like to your Adam's apple. Like no skin, nothing. It is so modest. Oh, and their hair has to be pushed back in a bun the whole time, all the time. Oh my gosh, that's ve- that's very restricting. Oh my goodness. It's just so controlling. Like one of the um, quotes that I found, and this was in their guidelines and bylaws, it wrote, quote unquote, women are to appear chaste and non-sensual. 
So like no makeup, nothing. It it's just so crazy. So a, a tank top or a t-shirt is sensual compared to a long sleeve button up. Seriously, Amber, if I can see your shoulders, uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> get out of here. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I throw out a lot of skin or anything, but I don't think that they would appreciate the fact that I like to wear short sleeve shirts. Oh, yeah. They would kick me out instantly. (laughs) They would like take one look and they'd be like, get out of here, Stina. (laughs) And to just add on to our creepy cult vibe, they had to call each other brother and sister. Ew. What? Like, (laughs) so like the two people you're talking about, Natalie and Matthew, was it? Yes. They're married. Yes. But they have to call each other brother and sister? I didn't think about that. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure if they had to in their own home, but they had to call other members like, Sister Amber, do you want to go down to the market with me today? Oh, my. See, no. Weird. My... So weird. Yeah, I really hope it is just other members because like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine in bed? <laughs> that, you know, some people say, some people say daddy if you're no. like, brother Robert. <laughs> How are you not throwing up right now? (laughs) Oh my, I like, I don't have siblings and that grosses me out. Like, oh. I have siblings and I have never called. (laughs) Brother Kevin, what are you doing? That's that's never happened, so. Oh my God. I really hope it's just for members. Like, it's still weird, but we went down an even weirder trail. So I hope it's just members. (laughs) I'm hoping for the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) You want it as weird as possible. (laughs) So Pastor Troy is the the pastor, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Troy Hancock is his name, but everybody calls him Pastor Troy. Like that's what he's referred to in both shows and in all of the articles. He just goes by Pastor Troy. So that's what I'm going to call him. (laughs) And services and sermons led by Pastor Troy are said to be loud and like get you out of your seat. They're so moving and they just, they get you down to your bones Mm. that it was said to be like completely normal. If all in the same sermon, you have people running around, like running around the church. Um, You have people shouting, crying, dancing, yelling, amen. Like, you know, every time that they just feel so obliged. Like that's that was completely normal. Okay, so and maybe I'm taking it so I'm Catholic. I'm not saying that we didn't have a good time at church, but like there was if there was running, there was a mom like running after you saying like sit down, like listen to what's going on. Like how would how did Pastor Troy even get through his stuff? That's so distracting. Oh, they were like hours. Hours long. Hours? Like the sermons? Oh. Yes. And I I should say, like I know some religions do that and some religions you know, they want you to be loud and vocal. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an Episcopalian, and so we don't do any of that. Like, we're pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, we'll get the toe tap occasionally. Yep. Catholic, you sit there and you, you take what you got and you appreciate it. <laughs> so I'm not judging other religions no, no. that do this. However, this church had so many things that are just red flag, red flag. So I'm going to judge them a little bit. <laughs> From the research I did, it actually appeared that Natalie's family were one of the first families to join this church. Oh, wow. And they were very involved. And it actually, it took like this huge blowout fight for Natalie's family to leave the church. Natalie's mother, her name is Anselma, and she was very involved 
in the case. Um, there were a lot of quotes from her. She was very open about her opinions on what went on. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was quoted to say that she noticed a shift in Pastor Troy and felt like he was starting to alienate the youth members. Mm. Cult number two. <laughs> <laughs> right. Red flag. Like, you know, young people, their minds are still being shaped and molded. And so for me, like, they can be manipulated yeah. super well. Yeah, it's way easier than trying to manipulate someone who's got a little bit more self-worth and they're a little bit more settled in their life and not kind of questioning who they are or what they want. Absolutely. And, and Selma said that she started to notice that Pastor Troy would pull the young teenagers aside and encourage them to stay at his house. Like, <gasps> what? sleep in his house. Ew. Ew. Seriously. And if that they ever needed, like, counsel or advice, that they should only go to Pastor Troy and his wife, Janet. Oh, no. So he's just building walls, alienating these kids from their parents, saying that they, you know, they shouldn't ask for advice from them. They shouldn't even sleep at their houses. Like, it's just weird. It's like a cult inside a cult. Like, he got the parents on the religion aspect, but now he's trying to even more so isolate the children from the people that he's already pulled in. Ew. Right. And Selma was quoted to say, quote unquote, they wanted total control of the kids and didn't want nobody else involved, even the parents. Like you said, to me, it sounds like the parents were onto the bullshit. They were aware with what was happening and they felt helpless, like they couldn't do anything about it. And that's probably, and that's such a weird situation to be in, I'm sure, because it's a religious standpoint. Like, yeah, well, like you trust this pastor and you trust like what he's saying. And then all of a sudden the stuff he's saying is making your kid not want to talk to you. Like we're not parents, so I can't even imagine. But like, that's got to be you believe in something and that belief is turning your kid against you or making them feel like they can't come to you. That's got to be the worst feeling ever. I can't even imagine. Like Mm. you said, I can't fathom it. Mm. So, are you ready for it to get worse? Oh, I've, bo- <laughs> you know, I was told that my episode was nice and a good ease in, and I'm ready to just rock it. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, rumor on the street was that Pastor Troy told Natalie and Matthew that he had a vision. Oh God. You know, fancy vision hands that they needed to be married. So they didn't even choose to be married. Nope. <gasps> Ew. And at the time. Matthew was 15 years old and Natalie was 18 years old. What? Yeah. And so Pastor Troy was like, yeah, I had this vision that you're destined to be together. Like gag. And the worst part is that Natalie and Matthew were not the only young people who had that happen. Most of the young people married in that church were because Pastor Troy said that he had visions of them together. I hope they all liked each other. That would suck. Right. Like, ugh, oh ugh, ugh, gag yeah. noises to the third Serious. degree. Oh, yeah. You really did just do a 180 from what I, we yeah. started with. I like I it. I told you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Natalie and Matthew were married when Matthew was 17 years old and Natalie was 21 years old. So, and that was in New Mexico. Yes. Which apparently is legal. <laughs> okay. I was just about to ask, did he wait? Because if he had a vision, why didn't they go out the next day? So obviously the vision was like, but you got to wait till it's legal so we don't have to tell your parents. You are exactly right. Like they dated for three years oh. after Pastor Troy said, I had mm. this huge vision, this, you know, okay. bing moment that you guys are going to be together. And right. So then it's like, as soon as it was legal, they signed the deal. 
I had a vision, but instead of making it go right now, because I know it's going to work, let's wait until the police don't, you know, get hot on my tail and get mad at me. Ew. Ew. Yep. It's Sorry, that's going to be the word of this episode, I think. I think I'm just going to throw out ew every once in a while. <laughs> the ews will get worse. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, good. Like I said, Natalie's parents were one of the first members involved in the church, and they actually left after Natalie's father. It's unclear if he was like on medication for like a injury or if he, oh. I don't know. There's some speculation, but he passed out in the middle of a church service. Oh. Maybe he ran. Maybe he ran too many laps and got really tired. <laughs> right, had a had a bit of heat stroke. Yeah, if I tried to run right now, I'd pass out. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> So he passed out and Pastor Troy, being Pastor Troy, was like, you know, I think you were drunk or you were on drugs and you you can't come to our church anymore. What? <laughs> right. And so in Selma, Natalie's mom was like, fuck this. We're leaving. And she tried to get Natalie to come with her. And Natalie wouldn't come because she trusted Pastor Troy. And so Natalie moved in to Pastor Troy's and Janet's home, like lived with them. Oh, my God. For at least... Some of the years are disrupted, but I would say at least like three years. Oh my! So she's like living with the cult leader, like just totally getting brainwashed. Yep, which is just terrible. This poor girl. So, in 1996, Pastor Troy had another vision. Enter the the awe music. (laughs) Another brilliant vision, and the vision told him that they could no longer be in New Mexico, and that there was a promised land. There was literally quote unquote a promised land and that promised land was in longmont colorado (laughs) okay we've been to longmont it's a lovely town my husband and i considered living near there because i was so into just like the downtown and the fun scene it was it's like a college town without the college it's fabulous but like you're gonna move everybody to like this place that all of them probably had never heard of. I don't even know if every Coloradan knows about Longmont, and you're gonna drag them out there. Ugh. Well, don't worry, it wasn't the whole congregation because the whole congregation was like, no, it was only about like a dozen oh. young adults that moved with him to Longmont. So the cult inside the cult went, but not the big one. Mm. So we know Natalie and Matthew came, and then Matthew's brother Marcus and Marcus's wife Lisa also came. So they had a little bit of family, which I think is nice. (laughs) They're all, you know, brainwashed, but yes, it's very nice. (laughs) Right, right. You know, that's fine. (laughs) So once in Longmont, Troy, Pastor Troy, excuse me, started a painting business and he called it T and M painting. So the T is obviously for Troy. Yeah. The M is for Matthew. So they were like number one in his brain. Like they were the number one people. Absolutely. Which, ew. Mm. Again, you. He was he was treating him like he was his son. Right, right. You'll learn as the case goes on. I think mm-hmm. that's what he I think he really saw Matthew as like his own son. Matthew is 17 years old. He's not an adult. Yeah, he's a kid. <laughs> right, and you named your painting company after him. It's just weird. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. So, once they moved to Longmont, they rented a home that had a basement and held the church services in the basement. <laughs> just doesn't sound right to me (laughs) no like you need a whole church (laughs) right and that was when they renamed the church the platteville apostolic church so now we've got the fancy Hmm. name platteville isn't that a place in colorado it is a place it and it's um it's probably like 30 miles east of longmont okay i don't think it was a relation i don't 
to be honest, I don't know the background of the name. Okay. Um, and the church no longer exists. So well, that's good. Right. It is good. But finding information on it like that was really difficult. Mm, so I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. But we're not here to talk about cults, although I could talk about this church for hours. <laughs> but we're talking about a true crime. We're talking mm-hmm. about something terrible that happened. So okay. let's get going. Let's roll. So to bring you back to speed, it's 1999 and Longmont. Natalie is working as a dental assistant and Matthew is a house painter with T&M painting. <laughs> Gag. <laughs> <laughs> On the night of September 25th, Natalie and Matthew, he goes by, if I say Matt and Matthew, it's the same person. Okay. Uh, Matthew is very involved in the public eye. And so he, he goes by Matt a lot. Okay. But in all of the articles, it's Matthew. So I'm talking about the same person. Good. Okay. September 25th, Natalie and Matthew um, were out with another couple having, they were at like a Starbucks. He said like he was very specific um, at the Pearl Street Mall in Boulder. Oh, I've been there. You've been there. I've been there too. <laughs> so it was 11 p.m., which seems late as for these kids to be out. If they, yeah. They couldn't even watch TV, but they were allowed to drink coffee at 11 p.m. Just seems weird to me. But. Yeah. Up all night. Jeez. And they had their daughter, their five-month-old daughter. Oh, my God. I totally forgot. Right. So, like, they had Michaela, and that's late. But anyway. Yeah. Ugh. You know, whatever. So it was 11 p.m., and they decided that it was time to go home. According to Matthew, um, they had a church potluck to the next day, which because it was a Saturday, so they met on mm-hmm. Sundays. And Natalie had decided that rather than going to the grocery store on Sunday morning to get things for the potluck, they, she wanted to go that evening at 11 p.m. Just seems weird, right? But he said, okay, if you want to go, you should go. So he stayed with the baby, and she went to the store to go get pick, pick up stuff for the potluck then? Yes, at 11 oh. p.m. Kind of weird. Yeah, no. <laughs> Granted, 1999 was way different than life now. That's true. So maybe it wasn't as weird to like go outside mm. super late, but it's weird now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, even if it's like 8 o'clock in the evening, I have my keys ready to stab anyone. So if you sneak up on anyone walking into the grocery store, expect to be stabbed because that's how <laughs> women are trained to walk through parking lots. Facts. Straight facts. <laughs> It's 3 a.m. and Matthew suddenly wakes up and he sees that Natalie is not has not returned. She's not in the bed. Okay, I'm sorry. No, you're good. He goes to bed. Mm-hmm. It's 11. A grocery store trip to pick up something from like for a potluck. So what? It's like one meal. Right. Maybe like some burgers. Yeah, like something where she's making one meal for the potluck and for everybody. And it's he goes to bed and is an even phase that she's not home yet. Well, he said that he fell asleep and then. Uh, Michaela, mm. he said that Michaela woke him up because she's an infant. And yeah. so he woke up and that was when he noticed that Natalie wasn't in bed and her car wasn't out front and she she wasn't around. He couldn't find her. Hmm. I hope my husband is better than this husband, because if I'm not back home in 45 minutes, call the cops. I would think that if it was 11 p.m., my husband would wait for me to return before he went to bed. But he just had a whole cup of joe. Like, yeah. You'll oh, my be God. Up. True. Yeah. That, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> they just had a, a ton of caffeine. So wouldn't he yeah. be weird? I've hounded and forced my husband. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. He supports this podcast and he has been listening. And I just remind him every Thursday to listen. So, Craig, this is directly to you. 
you already know because I call you and say if I get kidnapped, this is where I was last because that's just a thing I do. But if I'm going to pick stuff up for a potluck, if I'm not home in 45 minutes, figure it out. Like, get someone looking for me. Well, and two, I, I mean, you know, just being devil's advocate, they had cell phones in 1999. But do you think that these guys had cell phones? No. <laughs> they weren't wealthy. Well, and I don't, I'm sure, uh, like, if you look at what we do today, I'm sure that cell phones weren't allowed even back then even if it was just you know some right. t9 texting and some snake <laughs> oh for sure the snake, <laughs> snake <that shit> up. <laughs> um all right so it's 3 a.m he wakes up natalie isn't there um i have mixed emotions about what occurs next so i will just tell you okay and then i'll i want to know what you think yeah so rather than calling the police he calls his brother and his sister-in-law and the people that they were just with and Pastor Troy, he calls all these people and says, have you seen Natalie? I, you know, I can't find her. She's not at home. Have you seen her? And everybody says, no, we, you know, we haven't seen her. And he like debates, he thinks, he thinks. And finally, about like 45 minutes later, he calls the police. Now, Matthew says that he didn't call the police because he, quote unquote, had heard the police would not act on a report for a missing person until they had been missing for 24 hours, end quote. Okay. Um, That is something like, you know, we watch true crime documentaries and that's something that I hear in those pretty frequently is that you have to wait a certain time. It's an adult. It's not treated the same. But you still should call it in. It doesn't matter if they wait. You shouldn't, because the sooner you call it in, the sooner it's on their radar. Right. I I completely agree. Like, if I couldn't get a hold of someone or if I couldn't find them, I wouldn't wait 45 minutes being like, well, they're not going to do anything for 24 hours. Like, so let's get that 24 hours started and call them immediately, right? Yeah. And and then like too, at least while it might not be registered as a missing person, like it you they still let police officers know like this is happening and maybe they could look for that person before even before it's considered a missing person. Like yeah, no, I agree. And in the way that the police uh so it's Boulder County Sheriff's Department and Longmont police that are mm-hmm. involved in this, the way that they handled the case is just so like they proved him wrong like that. Kind of interesting. Oh, okay. And like, I get the two. So I guess, okay, here's what I would have done. That's the way I'm thinking of this. I would have called the cops, got it rolling, whether they call it a missing person or not, called the people that I was with last. But Pastor, I mean, I'm not in a cult, but Pastor <laughs> Troy would not be someone I call. Right. <laughs> if I were in a cult, I get why he called Pastor Troy, all that stuff. But yeah, no, the whole waiting God, that makes him look shady as hell. Right. No, I agree. He looks sketchy to me, too. Yeah, what the fuck? Oh, and I, I should mention that Matthew has a blog. Like I said, he's very involved in the public eye. So Matthew decided to finally call police because, quote unquote, a fearing who knows what, end quote. That thing is just, it's just weird. But you waited 45 minutes. So are you really concerned about who right. knows what? Yeah. Ugh. That doesn't look good for Matthew. So Pastor Troy, being Pastor Troy, has decided that he needs to call all of the members of the Platteville Church and they need to, of course, right, of course, and they need to split up and try to find Natalie. 
police have been called, but you know, they're either on their way to the scene or they're whatever. But that's the first thing that's done is Troy says, we need to do our own search party. Okay, so you know that call with Pastor Troy is like, don't call the cops. You, you oh, know for sure. He's like, he. there was probably a big conversation after Matthew called the cops being like, why did you do that? We could have done this internally. Like, oh, I could just imagine. Like, I can't even, I don't even know. This man has like a question mark. Like, I can't even imagine what Pastor Troy looks like. I'm excited if there are pictures. But I can't even imagine how mad he was that his surrogate son weirdness in in his cult called the cops and he probably didn't appreciate that i agree so well pastor troy and you know his gang (laughs) of friends are (laughs) are doing their search (laughs) can i just say i imagined like is it west side story is the musical with the gang (laughs) yeah i just imagine them walking down the streets in longmont (laughs) snapping and like doing some chest thrusts you know all while dressed so (laughs) modestly you know, no skin yeah, showing. Down just... to the down to the wrists. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna only be able to picture that. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to my brain. <laughs> the Jets. That's what I'm gonna call them. The Jets. <laughs> so they're they're they do their search party and they're looking. And Troy and Marcus, Matthew's brother, find Natalie's car in a Safeway parking lot. They call police and police come. And there's some interesting things about the car to take note of. First of all, it's kind of parked like way in the back, not near the front, not where someone who was going grocery shopping at 11 p.m. would park. I was just about to say, like, I usually park in the back, but I don't go shopping at 11 p.m. 11 p.m. There are a lot of spaces open. Right. Like most people park in, you know, further down because there are a lot of people there. But, Mm -hmm. you know. 11 p.m. in a Safeway in Longmont is probably not very busy. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so I I park far away because you've experienced my driving because I backed my car into <laughs> your car in high school. I do it to save other people's vehicles. And so my insurance will not get mad at me for running into others. But yeah, like I just avoid vehicles at all times. <laughs> but at 11 p.m., I'm brave enough to park up front just screech in like the dukes of hazards right exactly because no one's around so that's when i can be crazy but not during you know not no (laughs) not during normal business hours no (laughs) no but no one parks that far back in you know the the night owl hours of shopping for groceries i agree so that was so that was the first weird thing and then the second thing is that it was parked (laughs) again i'm picturing your your driving skills because you you set this up (laughs) i'm just gonna remind you You set up yeah, this conversation. Right into you. <laughs> um, Your dad was never happy that my dad couldn't get that dent out. Oh, man. <laughs> Completely. Well, you were in a super heavy car, and my tiny little Honda, she couldn't, she just couldn't do it. So, yeah, the Honda couldn't hold up to the Monte Carlo no. that I packed into. <laughs> uh, no, it could not. Um, so, again, just remember, you set this up, you started that, but. <laughs> Uh, so the car was parked in between spaces. Like it was super kiki khaki and just (laughs) Amber's making a face like. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I get it. Like I'm the, I'm the one that like backs up and pulls into a space like six times because I know it's not right. No, it's, he, at least you, at least you back up though. It's way better than just backing up and fixing it than like leaving it. You know, that's true. I do get the people around me mad because they think I'm pulling out and I'm like, no, I just have to move my wheel like three centimeters to the left. Psych. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> so the car was parked like Amber. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing you. Um, and so the right side of the car was also like beat to shit. Like there were scuffs all over it. Oh, and it was covered in pine needles. Which, pine like, needles? I was gonna say, like, we have a lot of trees in Colorado. In fact, I had a friend from Wyoming come, <laughs> and she's like, why do you guys have so many trees? Like, you have trees in your parking lot. <laughs> you have trees in your parking lot. <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I never noticed. Never, I was just going to say, I'm running through the grocery store that we go to, and they have trees. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, Colorado has a lot of trees. But it's weird that there are, it's pine needles on the car. Yeah, pine trees are not usually grocery store attire. Or, oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, right. the wine's kicking in, not that. Um. Kick, no, kick it, no, I think it's great. I think it's <laughs> awesome. So, like, we established, like, all of those things, parked in the middle of nowhere, parked kiki-kaki, and then covered in pine needles, they could be explained away easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, the main detective just felt like it was noteworthy at the time. It just kind of stuck out to him and he just felt like something wasn't right. Mm. So in the car, there were also um, some black gloves that were found dug into the passenger, next to the passenger seat, like in between the seats. Did they explain were they gloves like you wear when there's it's snowing or was it like gloves, like disposable gloves? Did it say? That's a great question. They Thank did. You. And actually I saw the gloves. They had the gloves on the forensic files. Um, no, they were just like black workers, okay. gloves, okay. thin cloth, nothing, nothing fancy, okay. but they were shoved in between the seat and there was a hole in the right thumb in between the thumb and the finger. There was a hole in the glove. Hmm. Um, oh, also Michaela's diaper bag was in the car. That was the, really the only things that were in there. I mean, I guess hopefully they have two. Maybe they keep them in their vehicles. You right. know, like I'm, Not super no, weird, yeah. but so basics. Natalie is 23 years old. Mm-hmm. She's a mother and a wife and she goes missing after going to a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Her car is found kind of off the beaten path and police and her husband have no idea where she is. Oh, okay. All right. So the main detective is uh, a guy named Detective Ainsworth. Detective Ainsworth is kind of like a big deal in Boulder County. Oh. Well, he's just been around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And um, he, do you know who Paul Holes is? No. So Paul Holes was one of the detectives who found the Golden State Killer. <gasps> like oh. that just happened. Oh, he's an important guy. Yes, right. In the true crime community, Paul Holes is a big guy. I know. I fail, guys. I'm so sorry. I know I've got some true crime listeners that I'm trying to convince to listen to this. I'll get there. I promise. (laughs) Well, it's funny. Paul lives in Colorado Springs now. Oh. And he talks about, like, Colorado life, and it just cracks me up because he thinks it's so funny here. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) I doubt he's listening, but welcome, Paul. (laughs) We drink wine at 3 p.m. Welcome. The altitude doesn't affect us. <laughs> oh, it does not affect us. <laughs> so Steve reminds me a lot of Paul Holes. Okay. And and Paul Holes is kind of like this like silver fox. You know, just be <laughs> my my husband knows that I feel this way, but um Steve is just kind of like that. He has this mm. glorious, and I mean glorious handlebar mustache. Oh, I can fall for that. <laughs> yes, like I, I just love good guys who beat bad guys. Yeah. You know, it's like a Superman, like Captain America type thing. And the facial hair helps because you, you definitely, uh, we both enjoy facial hair. Yes. <laughs> On our men, not ourselves. <laughs> right. Oh, my beard's coming in super well today. 
Well, and plus, like, Steve and Paul. I'm, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about Paul, but, like, Steve is a big victim's advocate. So That's nice. Yeah. Right. For me alone, like, that just gives me the feels all in my chest. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good guy yes. who found a career where we need more good guys finding careers in. Absolutely. Steve and there was another detective mentioned, but I couldn't find their name. It was just the other detective. Oh, okay. So they bring Matthew in for questioning, which isn't out of the norm. I mean, he's the spouse yeah. of a missing person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's normal. And he was one of the last ones to see Natalie. Yeah. So it just makes sense that they would call him in. Well, and I mean, even just the spouse, you know, I tell, I remind my husband all the time, the spouse is the number one suspect until they're not. So. Exactly. And according to the case file and everything else, that question, that questioning brought nothing. Like it was completely a waste of time. Mm. But for Matthew, it was like the most inconvenient, most like terrible thing he talks about it in his blog inconvenient to have a (laughs) professional ask you about your wife that's missing that's inconvenient what the hell right again just just a thing to do Mm -hmm. when your wife is missing yeah so uh the next step was to go to that safeway that they found natalie's car and to look at the surveillance video Mm -hmm. surprisingly they had surveillance video in 99 (laughs) (laughs) i was surprised but not good i'm sure (laughs) But unfortunately, it was only pointed towards the door. So, you know, they didn't have a view of the parking lot. Yeah. It was really just who entered and who left. Hmm. And Natalie never entered. She never even went into the store. Seriously? Right. Whoa. So now they're like, okay, you know, maybe someone picked her up in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Her car's there. You know, maybe something like that happened. But they knew for sure that Natalie never went to the store. Mm-hmm. Or I should say never went into the store. Yeah. And I mean, they were stuck. They had no leads. They they had no Natalie. It was just they felt like they were in a dead end. On both the forensic files and the real detective episode, Ainsworth, which is Detective Ainsworth, um, talks about that every time that he tried to talk to Matthew, Pastor Troy was always there. Mm. He was he wanted to answer for Matthew. And actually, it was Pastor Troy that said, oh, Matthew, you should get a lawyer, which again... <laughs> Like, I have such mixed feelings about getting a lawyer when you're involving police, yeah. you know, because well, you need someone to advocate for course, yourself. Of course, yeah, of course. But also, like, your wife is missing. Is that really the right. thing you're thinking of when your wife is missing if you're innocent? And that's that's exactly what I wrote in my notes. Like, <laughs> you know, if you really have nothing to hide and you genuinely want to help, why would you want... It's not, con- it's not inconvenient. Right. And why would... I mean, I get it. You're right. You need someone to advocate for you who knows the legal terms and everything. But, like, if you're just there to help and you're worried about your, where your wife is, like, none of it's inconvenient and none of it's bad. That just makes you look shady. Right. Well, and it was so annoying that, like, literally, this is a direct quote. <laughs> uh, Ainsworth was like, I just wanted to punch him in the nuts. He, he said that he was, like... <laughs> so annoying he said that he it's like i again i just love detective ainsworth but yeah this man is after my own heart i threaten to punch people in the nuts all the time like he said that on an interview for a pub like for a tv show it just was so funny oh my god he's after my own heart (laughs) and because pastor troy is just coming into the action you know constantly putting himself in the in the Mm. spotlight Obviously, Detective Ainsworth is like, okay, so Pastor Troy has something to do with this. Maybe he and Matthew are are in this together Mm -hmm. because Matthew is being kind of weird also. But he is like Mm -hmm. solely convinced that Pastor Troy had something to do with Natalie's disappearance. 
He's a good detective. I mean, but I also feel like it'd be kind of common knowledge. This dude is getting his business involved. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just weird. And to top it off, so before, all of the members of this church, they had their own search party. Like, they were answering questions and were super involved. And all of a sudden, Pastor Troy told them, don't talk to police anymore. We're not We're not answering questions. We're not talking to them anymore. Oh, my. Yeah, that's it's just weird they're making the case well even like i believe this detective is a great detective like just by what you've told me i've never heard of him before but like they're making it really easy for him too (laughs) right that's what i mean like you said you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that something is happening yeah 12 hours after natalie was reported missing two hikers find a body up in left hand canyon oh no And as I said before, it has this terrible nickname of the Death Canyon. And so it's not totally strange that there would be a body there. However, it was, it was Natalie. It was Natalie's body that they found. Oh, no. And I'm just going to add, I'm going to add a warning. This is. Trigger. Yeah, this is, uh, this is terrible. So, and if we were not making jokes about Natalie or what happened to her in the slightest. No, um, not at all. We're just. You know, sometimes people cope with these type of things by laughing, and that's, mm-hmm. I think that's how Amber and I handle these type of situations. So I just, I wanted to make sure there was no confusion. No, I think that's a, I don't know if you're ever ready to <laughs> hear something that's triggering, but it is something very good to bring up. Like, we respect the cases that we talk about, and we respect the people that unfortunately um, have passed away, but we definitely um, are people who cope with like morbid humor so uh, that's I like that you pointed out that we're not here to make her family feel bad if they you know ever come across this podcast or anything like that I agree it's a very good thing to point out but I am ready to hear the sad news all right (sighs) deep breaths so Natalie's body was found uh laying on her back um she was decapitated and her head was about a foot away from her body. What? Um, she was still in her black skirt, and her shirt appeared to have been torn off of her body and was just crumpled on her chest. And it it was just a graphic and gruesome. Even some of the um, seasoned detectives and investigators said that it was just disgusting like they just it felt terrible to see what had happened to natalie and what somebody did to her body it appeared that natalie had been struck in the back of the head with a blunt object and she had bruising all over her face they said like her right eye was completely swollen and her lip was cut like so she was brutally beaten with something oh no i just it just makes me so upset like that her body yeah. was treated with such disrespect. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. I it, I just hate it. But, um, however, the scene around Natalie was basically what solved this case. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was a lot of evidence. And a big thing to remember is that there was a piece of wood, you know, it was fairly long. And it looked like it was broken in half. And it was found next to her body. And so they were putting two and two together. And they assumed that that's what she was beaten with. Oh, my God. When she was decapitated, it was a very clean cut, and the knife was, like, cleaned on her shirt. They, like, ripped (gasps) her shirt off and then cleaned it off. Um, Oh, my God. So it just was, like, it was so careless. Like, the way, I mean, they murdered, whoever murdered her, murdered her, and that's bad enough. But then to just 
just completely defile her body just yeah i hate that it's like a that's a bad human whoever did that is a very bad human and so around the same time there were actually two beheading cases in denver no way right like I wrote that in my notes. So 99, I was four years old, but I just feel like I should know about this. (laughs) Yeah, we were Um, four. Yeah, that. So if anyone doesn't know, Leslie and I were born a day apart. And so a lot of events we were both present and at least at the same age for. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, Uh, Yeah. uh, I'm sorry. Side tangent. No. I hear things like this all the time about, like, you know, things happening right before 93 when we were born or things like that. And I just wonder for my mom how she coped with like bringing a human into the world when like beheadings are running around i mean denver's not our neck of the woods necessarily but it's not far away right like how do you i i totally get now why my mom was like you're gonna stay by me like at all times when we're in public because you just don't turn those thoughts off how do you have a kid and have this happening in your area even though denver's 45 minutes away and you still like i don't know it just it blows my mind and i just don't understand how people can have kids and not just lock them in a room and be worried about them constantly just think about all the terrible that's happening yeah oh my gosh and then that poor daughter oh my god i know yeah So police looked into the idea because the decapitation cases that Mm -hmm. were happening in Denver actually happened like two weeks before this. Really? Yeah, they were in like the beginning of September and she went missing on the 25th. Oh, wow. Um, So they looked into that and they thought, could this be a similar case? Mm -hmm. However, the victims that were involved in those cases were transient men. And so they determined that Natalie isn't transient, she's not a man, and she just has no connection Mm -hmm. to those cases. So they established that that was not what was happening. Mm. And on a side note, I just want to say those murders were solved um, and multiple people were arrested. This has nothing to do with Natalie, but I just, when I read that, I was like, peace of mind. What the? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I had to know what happened. So I I went on another tangent. And uh, yeah, it was actually like a turf war between transients fighting for like space on a I don't I don't know but so that's what happened oh my god that is also terrible (laughs) oh my god yeah I like this slab of concrete let me cut your head off because you stepped on it oh god I know I anyway so that is that is solved Mm, good good okay (sighs) right little relief there um all right uh Natalie's cause of death was strangulation and she was decapitated after she was dead. Okay. That's like the small light. Better. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the scene. Natalie was, you know, completely disrespected and her body was just left slain. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the evidence. Um, the gloves that were confiscated from her car. Mm-hmm. On the outside, they were covered in Natalie's blood. But on the inside, there was different blood. Because remember, it was, it was like, oh, there was a cut. hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so it was somebody, it was someone else's DNA that wasn't in the, the database. It wasn't mm-hmm. in the system. Okay. And for me, like, I'll let you make your own decisions, but the evidence mm-hmm. moving forward is so painstakingly obvious who is guilty. But it's oh, <laughs> one of those cases. All right. Um, so once they found Natalie's body, they brought Matthew back, mostly just mm-hmm. to say, 
we found your wife's, you know, remains. Yeah. And they got a search warrant for their home, for Matthew and Natalie's home. Mm -hmm. Again, not super uncommon. No. But they now have something concrete to move on. You know, it's no longer a missing persons case. It's a homicide. Yeah. So so during the search warrant, while they were searching their home, um, it was brought to their attention that Matthew tried to put a $250,000 life insurance on Natalie about two weeks before she went missing. Okay. I'm going to chime in because this happens in every stinking husband, wife, murder yeah. situation story. Do it a year before you're actually going to murder them. When <laughs> I was watching with my husband, like, he was like, well, is that really that weird? You know, he's not into yes. true crime like us. And I was yeah. like, yes, it is that weird. I have a life insurance policy. I do too. Yeah. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. normal to have for your spouse. However, it is not normal for them to die suddenly and mysteriously. After weeks. you bump it up. Too. Right. It's always bumped up. It's like plan ahead. <laughs> I'm not. No. Be better. Don't plan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I worry that serial killers listen to po- true crime podcasts and get better ideas. So I'm not giving you ideas. However, if you bump up, like I tell my husband all the time, if you do anything to my life insurance policy before, uh, you know, a mysterious situation, like you will go to jail. That's like the one thing that they're looking for. Right. Like, oh my God, so stupid. Even I'm not saying I'm not going to say, you know, who's responsible. But like for me, even if there was no other evidence, I'd be like, oh, okay. (laughs) The husband did it. It's you. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, or or it's the husband or the cult leader that controls the husband's brain. That's like, oh, my God. That's true. That's true. Um, Be smarter. I'm just again, I'm not advocating for people (laughs) to murder their spouses. I hope to never be on the receiving end of that situation. Oh, yeah. Hopefully not. My husband loves me. I hope it stays that way. But seriously, two weeks before, you couldn't wait like a month to make it look less suspicious. Yeah. It's just a rookie mistake. Um, also, when Matthew came back in, when they were telling him that they found Natalie's remains, mm-hmm. uh, Steve noticed that Matthew had a gnarly cut on his right hand in between no his way. thumb and his finger. Oh my God, Steve, you're doing work of angels. I love it. Right. Well, and in the shows, Steve said that he asked Matthew, like, hey, what happened to your hand? Mm-hmm. And Matthew goes, oh, I'm a painter. You know, it's just a work injury. It's it's no big deal. Does he paint with knives? How do you get a work <laughs> injury from, a, from painting? Like, if anyone paints and actually listens to our podcast, please inform me. Uh, other than calluses and, like, a bad neck from looking up and painting ceilings, like... <laughs> Do you cut yourself frequently? I don't know. Is that a common injury amongst (laughs) the painters? In the workforce, is that what you're going in for? Is painting injuries when when you need to? While they were doing the interview process, they discovered that Matthew was in, he was in an accident, excuse me, when he was a kid, where he got shot with a BB gun in his right eye. I said graphic, like the, um, but he was so he like was basically the movie where you'll shoot your eye out. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought no, you no, were no. catching on. To something. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not. <laughs> well, yes, ba- basically, basically, yeah. So uh, he was basically blind in his right eye because he got shot with oh a gun, with a BB gun. While they were also interviewing, and they were interviewing Matthew's mm-hmm. brother Marcus and Marcus's wife Lisa, it was brought to their attention that Matthew and Lisa had many many evening uh meetings alone in her house they in fact had one neighbor (laughs) this part i was like i i literally said gross (laughs) out loud (laughs) 
Uh, I'll reenact it right now. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so one of Lisa's neighbors uh, gave a, an interview and said that when Marcus would leave for work, Matthew would come like right after Marcus left and he could hear them having sex in the Ew. apartment next door. God. Yes. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, okay, I guess if no. you want to sleep with no, your sister-in-law, you but like, <laughs> gross, just keep it down, all right? Ugh, uh, neighbors from hell. Oh my god, no, it, the fact, sister is in the title, that's, that's enough. Yeah, gross. <laughs> Sister's in her title. <laughs> well, and like, poor yeah. Marcus, his, that's Ew. his brother, like, bros before hoes, <laughs> right? I mean, It gross. sounds like his bro is a hoe, but yes, Ew. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a little fun fact there for you. Ew. And to top it all off, when they took the glove in to analyze, it was Matthew's blood on the inside of the glove. Mm. Convenient. So, um, oh, I forgot. There's even one more important thing for evidence. More. (laughs) Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, They're so bad at this. It's like so painstakingly obvious. Like I said that, but really it's Mm -hmm. just so obvious who is responsible for this. Um, So they went to Matthew's office at TNM painting and in the dumpster, they found a tag for work gloves that were the same brand as the gloves in the car. Oh my God. And they, and if you remember around Natalie's body, there was a long piece of wood that looked like it had been broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same wood was in the dumpster at his office. And actually, I guess it's <sighs> something for like painting doors. I I don't know. But they said there was a reason that Matthew had it. Oh. And so the wood next to Natalie's body matched the wood that Matthew had possession of. Okay. <laughs> like so many <laughs> arrows flashing and pointing at this man. Yeah, like a freaking like open hotel off the interstate like the- right oh my god okay okay i'm ready more well i mean so so th- that's it okay. like that's the evidence and all of it points to her husband <laughs> right the version of the story that the police think happened after natalie and matthew left the pearl street mall they think that rather than going to the store matthew said that he needed to go to his office and so they natalie and michaela their baby went with oh and they were in the car so they think that once in the office, Matthew put on the glove and um, called Natalie in, beat her, hit her on the head. That's mm-hmm. why she had such, remember, she had uh, blunt force yep. trauma to the head and she was badly uh-huh. beaten. And when that didn't kill her, he strangled her, which is such a personal, yeah. It's that's such an intimate way there's to kill n- someone. Sorry, there's nowhere for that person to look no. but at you while you do that. Right. And like, yeah. that's your wife, which is terrible, but that's the mother mm-hmm. of your child. I, I just. Where's Pastor <sighs> Troy with his visions of this? Did he not see it and like come into the situation beforehand? Gasp. You're saying that Pastor Troy is a phony? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my gosh. I believed in his visions up until oh, man. now. Man, he really had <laughs> me going. <clears throat> so then CIP strangled her and that's what killed her. Um, he then took. Natalie and Michaela in the car and drove up the left-hand canyon. If you remember, the right side of the car was beat to and covered in pine needles. And since Matthew is blind in the right eye, they established he couldn't, I mean, it's pitch dark up there. And so he's just driving and he's probably just hitting the shit out of the car with the trees. 
So that's the thing you thought that I was putting yes. together for, which is very sad because I work at an eye doctor's office and I should have picked up on that way faster. Well, and, yeah, no, like I said, it, it all makes sense once you're thinking about it. But in the moment, like yeah. those little details don't seem very important. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's the police's uh, recounting of what happened. Mm-hmm. Police believe that Matthew decapitated Natalie in hopes of making the police think that it was what was happening in Denver. Oh, like he was trying to throw them off is what they think mm-hmm. happened, which is just like you pick the most gruesome, terrible, yeah. disgusting way. It, ugh, but OK, just such a also piece of sh- you you can't think ahead and not up the life insurance before this. But you think far enough ahead to know of another crime happening somewhere else to try to pin it on like this. It doesn't like it's like he thinks ahead and then he doesn't. I don't understand. Or I just think that he I think he planned. He thought he had like the greatest plan. Well, they all do. I was going to say like, you know, I didn't think about this until right now. Maybe he's a narcissist and just thought he could like get away with this. Oh, my God. Gross. Yeah. Gross. Like such a piece of. Yeah. Um. If the evidence alone didn't seal the deal for you, uh, the motive. So this murder was just like so intentional. Mm-hmm. They're thinking that he wanted to cash in that life insurance and take Michaela, which like, thank God, take Michaela. Yeah. Right. Like, thank God we're not talking about Natalie and Michaela's mm-hmm. death. Yes, of course. But that he wanted to take Michaela and take Lisa, Marcus's wife, and just start their new life. Um, what were they... What were they going to do to Marcus? <laughs> like, Well, it's like, just get the fucking divorce. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like, but also like, so Marcus is just going to like hold the door open as his wife leaves him for his brother and just be fine with it. I didn't even think about that. That's true. Like, were they going to murder Marcus? I don't know. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I, oh my God. <laughs> Drunk thoughts with Amber. I don't know. Um... Yeah, like, why, why, I mean, not saying that two gruesome murders needed to happen, but why Natalie and not Marcus? Why, why does one get this horrible story and the other one they were, like, seemingly they were just going to leave or they didn't get to finish what they were planning? And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that Lisa was a part of this little plan, Um, but that's what, you know, they need motive to prove this. And so... It makes sense that he been to have this mistress and then all the events that followed mm-hmm. from there. So um, Matthew was found guilty of first degree murder in 2000, serving a life sentence. Good. That came. That's a mandatory sentence. Yeah. Nice. So no parole or anything like that. Nope. Nice. Nope. Yeah. He's in there forever. Um, he's currently serving in the Lyman Correctional Facility, which is about 100 miles south of Boulder. Mm, okay. To this day, Matthew claims that he is innocent. He says that he did not do this. Even like I read some interviews with his family and they're like, you know, who knows who did this? Only God knows who's responsible for this. And it's like, I mean, I can't tell you what to think. Of course, I can't say like, believe this and don't believe that. But like, there's just too much evidence. There's a way it just it's too obvious that he was responsible for this. I completely agree. I completely agree that his family is taking the the road of we're just going to pretend that this is still a mystery, which is probably more hurtful to Natalie's family. Right. And actually in that same article I read, they hate him. Of, of course. course. Obviously. Yeah. But they um there was like 
recounts of them yelling at him in the courtroom saying like tell big bubba that we say hi and like yeah (laughs) amber just made a face but like just just yelling the craziest things which of course like i would be furious um if someone murdered my sister of course um so it's just terrible but don't think that the drama stops there Mm. amber okay i'm ready um yeah don't worry there's there's always more drama (laughs) so um the the police and you know steve they just felt like something was missing they just matthew was sentenced and was in prison but they just felt like they were missing something Mm -hmm. and so they recorded his uh phone calls which is legal when you're in, in prison you're in prison you have you don't have as many rights as people of the free world so matthew was having phone sex with a woman while in prison ew it wasn't lisa it wasn't lisa it was not Lisa, oh, but we have met this character. We've met her before. <gasps> I know. I'm just, do you have any guesses? Oh, it was Pastor Troy's wife, wasn't it? <laughs> he was having phone sex with Janet Hancock, Pastor Troy's wife, while he was in prison for the death of his wife, for the murder, for the murder of his wife. Yeah, the murder, the decapitation. Right. Like the nastiest, gruesome, ugh, um, so Forensic Files played, I don't know if it was like the exact tapes or if it was, <laughs> or a if it was like, a, yeah, but it was so gross. It was like, wait, okay. I'm sorry. Hold on. Can you imagine the voice actors? If it was a reenactment, how uncomfortable that would be? <laughs> like they sounded uncomfortable. It was like, oh, Matthew, I wish you were here. And him being like. Oh, yeah, like, what would happen if I was there? Like, just the most amateur phone sex that I... Not that I have a lot of phone sex, but, like, just... Ugh, just the worst. <laughs> oh, those poor actors should definitely get some more money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my... Yeah, so... Ugh, just nasty. And what's crazy, though, about Janet and Pastor Troy, I actually found Pastor Troy's obituary. He died in, like, 2019, and they were oh. still married. So, like, he stayed with her after she had phone sex with a convicted killer. So that means he had his – I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say it means because I don't know, but I would assume that means that he's running around, too, because you wouldn't be okay with that. Absolutely not. Unless you were doing it as well. Like, that would be a really hard thing. I mean, people get over stuff like that all the time, and they work on their relationship and things like that. But if it's, like, continuing, like, he was clearly probably doing stuff on his own, in my opinion. Well, and in the obituary, it was, like, it was saying who he was survived by. And it was, like, his first love, Janet Marie Hancock. And it's, like... Ew. Like, she cheated on you with a man who decapitated his wife. And I, I don't know. It was just is uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. All right. So do you have what the reenactment was? Like, <laughs> I, word for word? I don't have it word for word. I wish I oh. did, though. <laughs> I was really excited. <laughs> like, no, I was, like, dying while watching. <laughs> so... <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so that means I'm going to have to go find this episode and figure it out on my own. Yes. And while you watch it again, like we were laughing so hard because the quality was awful. But then, yeah, they added in this like most uncomfortable phone sex experience. It was, ugh, it was so funny. 
So Matthew today, you know, he still is saying that he's innocent mm-hmm. um, and he has a WordPress blog about his innocence and his testimony. How do you have a blog in prison? Well, I'm pretty sure they still have like access to the Internet. I, again, I, I don't think I don't think murderers should. Well, they shouldn't. But no, according to TikTok, a lot of girls have like relations with people in prison and they find them on the Internet. So oh, God. that gives daddy issues a whole other name. <laughs> Um, so like I'm not even I I read his blog but I'm not even going to entertain it because for me it's so obvious and you can't like the forensic the evidence and everything else like the proof is in the pudding okay I was trying to find another way to say it (laughs) no that's the perfect way and you don't want to people can monetize blogs and like we don't need him having an opportunity to do that right not at all. Like I said, if you want, if you feel so obliged to look into it, you know, you live yeah. your life, but I'm not going to tell you what it is or what it's called. Um, You'll have to research on your own. Right. Like, he's just such a piece of shit. <laughs> like, I hate him. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, I don't <laughs> use that word often, but I really just, ugh, I, I was so blown away at just the amount of, I, I don't even have words to describe. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, like you said, get the divorce right like just get like, the fucking divorce who cares? <laughs> God. yes who cares like i get you're in a cult and that's probably frowned upon because you can't show elbows but, but gosh, you can fuck your brother's wife <laughs> 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 that but also like there would still be a life that would be succeeding and functioning and you took that away because you couldn't calm down and do what I'm sure their religion told them to do, which was like pick one wife and stick with them. Well, and he took Michaela's mother from her and yeah. and technically Michaela lost her father and it's yeah. just, it's so selfish and just disgusting. I agree. Unfortunately though, the drama does not stop there either. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, kind of like you just go keep going and then and seriously then. that's how i felt when i heard about this case i was like this case has cult aspect has a murder mm-hmm. aspect has a shitty husband aspect like it just <laughs> never get ends oh geez so in 2015 a fellow inmate uh confessed to this murder um his name is richard barbie and he was a 39 year old man who was serving a 74 year sentence for shooting and killing a man while barbie was hitchhiking mm. they were at the same facility and he confessed I mean, he confessed to the detective from boulder county that came and interviewed him and he also he had a sworn affidavit saying that he mm-hmm. he was responsible for this crime while guards were searching his cell they were actually looking for like alcohol and stuff but mm-hmm. they found this note that was and it doesn't say like who it's written from so this is all speculation the note is yeah. not but the author of the note is speculation this note had quote unquote stage directions so what that means is that <laughs> so like the first line of this note said something basically along the lines of like don't say anything about this unless they ask you about this and it had like word for word written on top like almost like a reminder like Mm -hmm. say this word for word and it it just was like super weird and it was like kind of a reenactment of what happened to natalie however when Uh um barbie was telling the police his version he got like details and all these things mixed up like his account was not accurate to what happened so like 
I think, investigators think, Matthew wrote this note because Barbie is supposedly like, well, he's terminally ill and they said that he has a lot of mental health issues and, you know, could mm-hmm. be easily persuaded. Like, I think Matthew wrote this note to like try to set him up. <laughs> Is like what I think. Well, and that I, I was just about to ask why this other person would do that, but that makes sense. Barbie did it because he's not mentally fit to, to not like, do it, not do it. Right? Are you? Oh my! Well, I'm glad that they found that note because then what? He would just be released. Well, so after Barbie, I guess this is like the cherry on top. So after Barbie was like confessed, quote unquote, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, Matthew and his lawyer immediately asked for a new trial. Oh my God. This person admitted to it. So like I can have my, I'm free now, right? But it was immediately denied. We need to research and look into this. Yeah. And he's not the smartest as we learned. (laughs) He likes to leave little breadcrumbs. So Hansel and Gretel. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So Matthew is still there. Good. Serving his life sentence. Um, Michaela lives with Natalie's mother. Good. I'm pretty sure they're in New Mexico. Good. Um, that's pretty much it. The church closed down, so I couldn't find really any information. However, when I Googled it, I saw there was like this class for like religion abuse. Mm. If you have been like abused and treated, you know, whatever by religious figures. Good. And they were on that list. So kind of interesting. Yeah. No, that someone else knows that ex-members might need some help with what they went through. That's very, very good that there's someone out there doing that. Oh, and the last little fun fact, which I don't know if it's true. Um, so Lisa, yeah, you know, Matthew's mistress, um, she was put on probation because she lied about having an affair with Matthew during the pretrial. Oh. Um, I don't, I only found one article in regards to that. So I don't know, like if she's still on probation, I don't know the mm-hmm. length of the probation, but I just saw that she was, she, so she got punished also for. That's good. I mean, yeah. There's there's not a lot like, you know, we didn't know what would happen to Matthew's brother. So there's not a lot saying like she was even involved in this. So I'm sure it was really hard for I mean, if it were the two of them planning this, I'm sure the breadcrumbs would have led to that. So I'm sure. Right. Like she probably didn't know a lot. Maybe she was planning on leaving her husband for her brother in law, which just makes it's a Greek tragedy. Um. <laughs> well, they found a bunch of nudies that she sent to Matthew. Oh. Yeah. So. So yeah. Gag. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at least she got a little bit of punishment because I mean, whether she was part of the decision or if he had said something in passing, like obviously we don't know that. But don't cheat on the person that you decided you want to spend. You know, what you think in the beginning is the rest of your life with them. Like just, just get the f- divorce. Jeez, cheese and rice. Well, and you have to wonder, like, if Pastor Troy had never said that he had this vision of them getting married, Natalie would probably still be alive because Matthew and Natalie would never have gotten married. Yeah. I mean, well, and so, like, okay, so Pastor Troy was a big deal. Like, did you find anything that said, like, he supported Matthew in his innocence or anything like that? Mm, Of course he did. And most of the members did. The article that described what the trial was like basically said that you had Natalie's family Mm -hmm. and then you had the church and that's how it was split. I don't understand that. She was also a member of the church. Why are you picking it? Like, why did they pick a side? Like they lost a member. I'm not sure if they looked at it as like Natalie, but Mm -hmm. more like we have to protect our own. Mm. 
Natalie died, yes, but like it was someone else or, you know, I like I said, I don't know. Mm, but that makes sense. Oh, my goodness. That was a good dip into the true crime Woo! episode, Leslie. <laughs> Holy cow. That was a 180 from the happy ghosts that we dealt with last week. <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite the doozy. So. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad you had some wine to <laughs> unwind from yeah. that insane, insane episode. Yeah. Well, and just the fact that it's like so close to home. Like, I mean, clearly we were four. We're, our moms didn't plop us right. down in front of the TV so we could learn about this. But uh, <laughs> thank God, trauma. <laughs> they were good parents. <laughs> um, but like, it's just it's so crazy, like to think that this happened as close as it was to us. And like, there was, a, you know, you know about cults and stuff, but you don't realize how close to home they are until you start researching them. So it's crazy to think that that was even close to us. It's a weird ass world out there it is i totally and you just gotta look for it well but like or avoid it (laughs) (laughs) like you know you could go on make just do research that's that's the best thing before you join (laughs) a church or a group or start listening to one man or or woman specifically or anyone in between discussing how you should live your life like do some research on them don't totally flip flop your life. Like, do a background check. Like, see if they're crazy. I don't know, but like, <laughs> or, don't don't like, just follow. <laughs> like, if someone tells you what to wear and how to style your hair and <clears throat> not to wear makeup or you know whatever, yeah, just kick them to the curb. Unless they're it's your mother. It. Your mother is trying to help you. Well. If you are in high school and your mother <laughs> is telling you don't do this, she is trying to save you from the horrible pictures that you will see in ten years. I am one of those people. Mom, you told me not to get my eyebrows that thin. I didn't listen. I'm admitting now I was wrong. Like your mother can tell you what to wear and what to do I if guess you're in true. high school. But like not a grown man who has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Just say no. <laughs> Drugs, cults, all of it. Say no. <laughs> Murdering your wife. Just say no every morning. Yeah, definitely. Definitely say no to that one. Yeah, Make it part of your daily mantra. I don't know. Uh, well i think i'm gonna drink some wine now that i'm finished (laughs) holy shit i'm sweating (laughs) this podcast is definitely gonna up our wine intake um in a healthy (laughs) way we'll be safe we promise yes of course safe (laughs) but i'm so excited yeah no sorry that was just a good one to dive into good job leslie i'm gonna give you some claps good job Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so excited to hear what you have for us next week, though. Well, I am going to leave a little teaser and I want to see if our I love teasers. I I do, too. It just gives you a good idea. Um, (laughs) And if anyone that is a listener can figure this out, I would like them to reach out to us on Instagram and let us know. Um, Yes, because I I really thought about this. I, I my husband is going to make fun of me when he hears this because I was like talking at him. He wasn't, you know, actively in the conversation, but I was talking at him (laughs) of how to do this. And we should say, I don't know. I have no idea. Yep. So So, I'm also a part of this. Yep. So from here on out, I did kind of clue Leslie into what we were going to do in the first episode because we had to decide together um, what our first episode was going to be. But from here on out, we will not be telling each other what we are looking into other than these little teasers at the end of an episode, if we can think of one. I was going to say, if we can think of one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking really hard about this one. So that's probably why. 
Um, so, Leslie, for our next episode, all I'm going to say is they had it coming. And if you were, had been there and seen everything, that I, I bet you would have done the same actions that these people did. What? Let <laughs> <laughs> me say it again. <laughs> yes, please. Okay. So, they had it coming. And if you had been there and seen it, I bet you would have done the same things that these people did. Oh. <laughs> and I th- Oh man. I think what's happening is you recognize the a- Easter egg right now, but you can't place it because when I tell you next week, it'll it'll be like a aha moment. You'll totally get what I just did. <clears throat> I th- I think I I think I have an idea, but uh-huh. I'm not going to guess. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm so excited. <gasps> Yep. So next episode, if anyone wants to debunk or figure out what this Easter egg is, feel free. You can comment on the Instagram <clears throat> on the post for this episode and we just won't respond. Ooh. And then if you got it right, then, you know, give yourself Snaps. a big hug. Or yeah. something like that. <laughs> there is no prize for this. We still need sponsors. So we'll figure it out. The prize is knowing that you were right. That's true. Which is a good, it's a good price. It's nice to know. So that is what we are going to do next week. Um, So Leslie, any final words? This is your episode. How are you feeling? (sighs) I'm feeling real good. I'm really excited. (laughs) And I hope that everybody, I can't say enjoyed it because the story is terrible, but that's one of my favorite stories to retell. Mm -hmm. So I hope that everybody loved it. Good. Yeah. And I mean, and it's just education about our area and it's reminding us that cults are real. They are dangerous. If you feel like you're in a cult situation, please reach out to someone Um, and research, research, research before you join any sort of group or club or religion. Because I mean, I've never read about a cult that ended well. (laughs) That's it. Mic drop. That's the end. Amber just nailed it. We'll see you next week. (laughs) All right. Every Thursday, please join us and listen, and we will keep posting on social media to remind everybody. Also, thank you, Leslie, for all the research that you did. It was a fabulous second episode. Now we're both through our first time being in charge. Yes. (laughs) So it can only continue to rise from here, and we will continue to uh, research and give everybody good content. All right. Well, we'll see everybody next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. The Grim Mystics was written and produced by Amber Skrbic and Leslie Gregg. Cover art was done by Leah Taylor. The Grim Mystics theme song was written and produced by Bear and Abby Golden. You can find The Grim Mystics on Instagram at The Grim Mystics. You can also follow The Grim Mystics on Facebook at The Grim Mystics.